You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. My name is Peter Thompson. You are listening to episode 71 of the podcast. I'm here with my three co-hosts, Lambro Sirmos, Kosta Levoyanis, and Adi Bulubasis. Plus, we've got a few other contributors on the way. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy week here at the Gate 7 International Podcast. We have some really excited stuff to get rolled out for you. And uh, I'm just going to let Lambro get into it because he's really been uh, in charge with this and he's done an amazing job. We're really excited. Yeah, guys. So what's up? I hope everyone watching live is doing well. Thank you guys for coming out to the event. We've gotten so much support and just love from the community. We, we love interacting with you guys. And, you know, on a Thursday night uh, with no Olympiacos games with nothing, it's just brilliant that you guys are all here to talk with us. So... Let's just get it out of the way, guys. So we were talking about what, what was the next big step for Gates of an International. And I kind of had this idea of bringing together a team. This is Gates of an International, after all. And we have fans from every corner of the world. But we can't have 20 hosts of the Gates of an International podcast. But what we can do is we can assemble a team of writers and bloggers to bring you guys stories of the team you love every week, every day. And that's what we've done, guys. I kind of had this vision and these guys let me run with it. And I built this website. You guys will see it. And it's got our podcast information. It is gate seven, like the number, intl.com. That is our new website, everyone. And we have a few blogs up there. I have my first blog up there. We have a blog in French out there. Guys, there are French-speaking Olympiacos fans and we're going to keep bringing it there's going to be content in English, French, and Greek. Of course, any language of people who love Olympiacos are welcome on our blog. And we've really put together this fantastic blogging team. These these guys up here, along with me, will put, put out some content as well. But we really have put together a fantastic team, and they're going to lead us through this. And I guess that that's all from my end. I'm super excited for you guys to check out some of these articles we've been writing some of this content we've been getting into, it's really exciting. And you guys will have more Olympiacos content for you. And that's what we're trying to do, really. Well, I think a good thing to do right now is uh, we're going to announce the team. Um, and we have a few of the members from the team on and some other folks uh, you'll be hearing from on our social media platforms, sort of with their initiative. But the first person uh, that we have to announce is pretty much the point man um, is... Uh, is Theo Buras. So we're going to get Theo on the stream here. Um, Theo, we want to just thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the initiative a bit more later, but just a few quick words on, uh, on what your background is with the team and what you hope to do with this project. Well, first off, thank you guys for having me on and, uh, and letting me run with this thing. And uh, I think we're all going to have a really, really good time. 
you know, Olympiacos is a way of life for all of us. Uh, it's a day-to-day thing. Uh, you sleep it, you breathe it. Uh, it's just going to be our way, me and the entire team, to be able to to show some of the fans some of that and a lot of the supporters to get even more content for Olympiacos. Uh, and we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun project and a project that ultimately is going to be something different. Uh, Labro mentioned it earlier. Greek, English, a French from France. I mean, we speak a little bit of French here in Montreal, Quebec as well. Uh, but there's going to be a little bit of everything for uh, for everybody. And I just think it's going to be a, a fun project um, altogether. Well, Theo, there's, uh, you know, you were one of the first people that came to our mind in terms of people with the experience and writing and and love and passion for this team. And so we're, we're so incredibly happy to have you as a part of this. Um, of course, as you know, Theo, having worked with Agona Sport in the past, one of our favorite outlets for Greek football news in English. And we hope to, to bring the expertise that Theo has, has gained uh, as a writer. And we hope to bring that to the Gate 7 International blog and make that, you know, help, help, uh, help us make that as good as possible. Uh, we do have a couple of our other contributors who I think are along to say a couple quick words. The first person I'll, I'll have jump on is a familiar face, um, and that is Stephen Kuduru. Stephen, of course, uh, a blogger for El Asfuri. And El Asfuri fans, don't worry, he's not going anywhere. Um, he's just going to be working double time, uh, writing some stuff for us and writing some stuff for them. Um, he's also on the El Asfuri podcast. If you listen to that, uh, I recommend if you don't. Um, I recommend listening to it if you don't, I should say. Definitely, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good podcast. Um, but Stephen, yeah, I mean, in, in very brief uh, form, let the fans know what you would like to uh, accomplish and what you would like to write about. Well, um, you know, firstly, guys, thank you so much for inviting me onto this amazing journey you guys are, are forming. You know, it, it, I couldn't, I, when Lambros came to me about it, I, you know, I, I almost couldn't refuse because it's such an amazing opportunity to take my writing and, uh, you know, obviously I've, I've had an amazing time with LS Football and like, like you said, I'm going to be getting with them, like doing content with them, but just to specif- specialise in talking about Olympiagos, a team that, you know, is I love so much, you know, they're the team I've supported for nearly 10 years and ultimately I just want to t- get that content out there because they're, isn't enough content out there, even with, with you guys and with us at LS Football as well, like, uh, you know, with us here now, um, there isn't enough content in English for Olympiagos or Greek football. And that's what the ultimate goal is. It's always been that goal for me. And I want to continue that with you guys, you know, getting it out there to the diaspora who speak English and may not, you know, speak Greek um, and to get the information out there for the team that they love. And I want to do that with you guys. Well, we really, we really love that sentiment, Stephen. It's, it's, I mean, it's really the reason that we created the podcast in the first place. And as you said, there's still not enough of that content. So keep an eye out for Stephen Kuduru and some of his pieces. He's written some great stuff for LS Footy as well. So feel free to check out his existing work over there and his stuff will be popping up on our website in no time. Stephen, thank you so much. We're going to hop on over to our next contributor, another good friend of ours, uh, He's not necessarily an Olympiakos super fan, although he's wearing the kit today. Uh, that's Vimo George. Vimo is going to be covering mostly the Greek national team, uh, something he's very much an expert on. Vimo's been watching the Greek national team since he was a little kid. Uh, Vimo, thanks so much for uh, agreeing to contribute to our website and our blog. Uh, what do you hope to bring to the team? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's really exciting coming on and like this whole project 
like as soon as Adi talked to me about it, I was more than happy to contribute any way I could, especially seeing how the podcast has grown and seeing how all of you have grown. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm beyond excited to contribute. And yeah, like you said, I, I'm not going to be able to give anything on Libya because that you guys won't have already covered or done a much better job with. But unfortunately, while some of you guys I know get fed up with the FBP, I can't get enough of it. So that's where my focus is going to be. I'm hoping I can write some stuff on where we're at now, where we've been, where we should be going uh, as a club or club as a team and uh, going all the way up to EPO in general. So yeah, just excited to contribute in any way. Fantastic. So you see there across the bottom of the screen, we actually have the names of all the bloggers that have joined. Not all were able to join for this live today. Uh, it's great to have Theo, Dimo and Stephen with us. A couple more have sent in some video introductions and we're just going to play those real quickly for you so that you can get familiar with them. First one is Martial from Olympiakos, France. Hello guys, it's Martial from the Twitter account Olympiakos France. As you may notice with my accent, uh, I'm a French guy who loves a lot of Olympiakos. Um, I'm, I'm very glad to be part of this project because I al always wanted to share my views about Olympiakos with other Olympiakos supporters and it's, it's hard to find it here in France. So I'm pleased to have found a, a new family with Olympiakos fan. So I will be posting articles in French about Olympiakos, Olympiakos players, stories, and anything related to Olympiakos in order to, uh, to share my opinions. And I hope you will bring more fans from France. And I can't wait to see you on the blog. So that's a quick introduction to Marshall, guys. Marshall is a good friend of the podcast. He's another one of those contributors that's contributing to making Gate 7 International truly international. It's really, really fantastic to have him on board with us. Labro, I think you're itching to, to add to something here. No, I'm super excited to have uh, to Martial on. He has so many great stories. And I, I also, as people know, living in Geneva, I'm practicing my French. So I'm going to be practicing my French with Martial's articles and all of his updates about Olympiacos in French. I'm really excited to, to have him on. And he, we have to say he has his first article live, which is a loan report of every single player Olympiacos has sent on, on loan. It is, of course, in French, but it's very easy to translate if people are looking to do that as well, non-French speakers, of course. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have him on and just it, it's going to be fantastic. You know, I, we're really putting the international into the name and that's what we've we've really wanted from the start, you know. Super. We've got one more video entry from one of our contributors. This is an anonymous contributor. Go, he's going to be going by the name Deniotheto. In Greek, that's roughly translated as, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm just going to play the damn video and you can, you can find out for yourselves. Hello, Olympiakos fans around the world. I'm honored to be part of this nice group of diehard fans. And together, we're going to be covering the behind-the-scenes aspect of Greek football. Our column would be called The Neotheto, after the expression from the legendary Thikitis Deftera show, which roughly translates to Don't Shoot the Messenger. We're going to leave formations, tactics, expected goals, and match analysis to the experts. And we'll try to recreate the atmosphere of Red Cafe before an Olympiakos game 
where you hang out with your buddies, with your frappe in hand, and talk all sorts of football gossip with no guilt whatsoever. And there you have it. Now, anybody knows that people dealing with the behind the scenes of Greek football, you know, looking at what the president of this team is doing and all some of the shady business in Greek football, maybe better to keep your name anonymous. So I have the respect for, for that contributor in, in this regard. Uh, that's all we have for now, but do keep an eye on the website. It's live and uh, all those bloggers will have their, their biogs up in the coming days. To watch this space, guys. And don't forget the bios for everybody will be live. So you got some teasers for everyone here. You'll be able to find out a little bit more about not just the bloggers you saw, but then as the podcast team, there's some little tidbits of that, of some things we haven't yet discussed. So you can learn a little bit more about us. Uh, now, one other thing we have before we uh, move on, uh, the Olympiacos DC Academy guys has started their UPSL season, United Premier Soccer League. This is huge. We now have a chance to actually watch ourselves, the future of Olibiakos, the future players that are here in the United States. So we will be broadcasting on all of our social media every time there's a game. We'll give you about a day's heads up. All of the games will be live streamed. The team just played a game uh, this past weekend. They drew one-to-one. -one. They have a game coming up this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We will be tweeting out, uh, uh, posting on Facebook and Instagram as well, the link the link that you can watch the live stream and you can watch the future. The team is playing Germantown City FC. Huge game. Watch it. Support the boys. Merch is there as well. Support our team. Support the kids. Support the future of Olympiacos. I wish this was around when Lambro and I were still in school in Maryland, could uh, could hop in an Uber, catch some of the games. But, I mean, it's going to be great to watch them on live stream as well. Uh, feel free to support Olympiacos DC Academy. Uh, there's it's, it's a great initiative, and we hope for the best from them. With some other podcast news, uh, if you've been following us on social media at Gate7INTL, you'll know that next week we will be releasing our special guest interview with Olympiacos player Guillaume Gillet. Hope I pronounced that right, Costa. Feel free to, to correct me. But um, GA, of course, played for Olympiacos. He's also played for Belgium. He's had a very storied and successful career and is still playing to this day at 36 or 37 years old, uh, which is a hallmark of success for any footballer. He's going to have a lot of really fun stories to tell. Congratulations to Michael Vicini for guessing him correctly. And uh, we're going to be allowing for additional questions for Guillaume. You can still ask questions to us at Gate7INTL. And we're very excited for that interview. And as you know, we never stop. And because of that, we can't announce anything official yet. But we have more coming. Let's just say that. There are more guests that are going to be on the way. Uh, there are two right now that we are in the works of securing down for time. And those will be coming after the GA interview. So stay tuned, folks. And we're going to have some really, really exciting stuff for you. Another note for the game this weekend. Of course, we play Panathinaikos. A couple things that I, I you know, I'm just going to say a hint. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe the, the other boys want to say something else. But turn on Nova Sports, guys, during the game. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe, you know, some, just sometime during the game, actually. That's all I'll say. Uh, maybe Costa or Lambro, you want to add something else, but 
just that's i'll leave it at that personally uh, go go for it Labrador. okay shall i go for it? well guys just i don't know peter put peter put it well we'll drop a link maybe to nova sports and you'll see what happens on nova sports with the gate seven international it could be a lot of fun i think there could be a bit of banter on nova sports this weekend on sunday especially with us playing panathinaikos i I will leave it for you guys to watch what goes down. I think it could be very funny anyway. <laughs> One thing it. that I will say for sure is we'll have a podcast coming out the following day. And if things, if the stars align for us, we could, we could win the league on Sunday. So could be a very fun time. Uh, the last announcement before we start getting into some news and some things is, of course, the ad read. Uh, we would always, as always, like to say thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International has been helping Greeks ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out from Baltimore, Maryland every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24. Send it to our friends in Baltimore, and it will be shipped to the port of Piraeus for only $50 U.S. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100 Give them a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at PiraeusINTL.com. A couple very quick news points, and then Adi has a deep dive. We have post-game, and then we'll talk more to Theo about the Gate 7 International blog initiative. Let's get to the news first. So a couple things relating to Ike, and the first one I want to bring up uh, relates back to a certain game between Ike and Pauk. Uh, a couple years ago in which a certain uh, Russian man uh, made his way onto the pitch with a certain, uh, a certain, let's just say uh, firearm with in his hand. Um, now this, the, the famous pistol derby of, of uh, 2018. Um, Vranez, legendary Ike player, uh, great, great player, hopefully comes back to Ike soon. Uh, he has, he has made, he has spoken out. He said uh, the other day that he was approached by a Serbian agent with regards to match fixing prior to the game. Very interesting stuff. What do you guys have to say about this? This is a, a interesting claim. Of course, it's just a claim, but what do we think? Oh man, who gives, <laughs> I guess this is just a uh, run of the mill. And then, uh, yeah, I, I don't really want to say anything. I think it speaks for itself, you know, like Pauk, match fixing, owner coming on the field. Like, I don't know, guys, like what else do we have to say? Like, I, I, I think the whole it, it was um, it was a couple of things, wasn't it? I mean, there was the Vranja's comments about being approached by somebody dodgy in Serbia to do the match fixing. But before that news came out, there was the. There was the news coming out of Greece that Melisanidis and Ayek were being uh, investigated for influencing the the elections ahead of uh, ahead of the presidential elections for the Greek Football Federation, and that they could be docked uh, ten points because now if you interfere with elections or God forbid you buy another club and use them to uh, you know advance your interests, you don't get relegated anymore. You only get docked ten points. Anyway, there was that, and then there was the news the next day about the Ike bout game, the season that Ike won the league. So, I mean, I'm also going to say that I'm not really surprised, uh, and I'm not afraid to say that, you know, 
Melisanidis is Melisanidis. I don't need to say who Melisanidis is. Uh, and I don't want to talk about him to people that don't know who he is. If you're listening from Greece, you know who Melisanidis is. You know what Melisanidis does. And it's no surprise to me that he's implicated in these sorts of things. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to Ike fans, uh, the real Ike fans. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really wasn't really a surprise to me. Thing as as well, if I can jump in real quick, like things are not so good at Ike right now. Like, can we say that? Like, Greg came on. Yeah, the scenes after the game last weekend. Uh, ridiculous. Like, it was it was ridiculous with the fans coming on the pitch and thing was I read he was mad that the fans did it but they're he was mad not because they did it he was mad that they didn't do it in the locker room he was mad that like the whole world saw that bullshit happen so and then he went to them in the hotel and was telling them you're all a disgrace you're all a blah 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 so I don't know things are not good at Ike there's no place for that it's just like I mean, and let's be honest, it's not something that just happens at Ajax. It happens quite regularly in Greek football. It's not like it hasn't happened with us before. It's just like, for me, the fans, they belong in the stands. If the fans want to have a chat with the players, then, you know, the captain of the team can go and meet them unofficially. It doesn't need to happen publicly. It just looks ridiculous. Yeah, but also, well, can we say there's no fans in the stadium, so like they don't really have a <laughs> venue to kind of vent and boo, so they like have to do it this way. Is that fair? They could have they could have done what Yanni and I did and built the stadium such that people can watch from like the nearby rooftops. You know, Owaka just like too big, too massive, um, and the acoustics, <laughs> the acoustics, and Yanni and I too. You can hear everybody's voice on those. It was it was I beautiful. It. it was like it. a packed crowd. Um, well, Adi, I think, uh, I think you've got a deep dive for us and, uh, I do. You know, I'm just going to let you let her rip with the Y scout here. Um, Younes Belhanda, uh, is the player in question links with Olympiacos. He's a bit of a controversial one, Adi. So I'll just let you get into the numbers, the cold, hard facts. Absolutely. Yes. Every time we get linked with these players and stuff seems like it's serious. Everyone wants a deep dive. They want to know, is this player worth it? Is he not worth it? So we checked in on him, watched a lot of film. And uh, Belhanda for Galatasaray played primarily as a number eight. He pri- played primarily as a center mid, a deeper lying center mid for Galatasaray. I know there was a lot of concern with everybody that, oh, this is another 10. What's going to happen to Fortuny? No. If we're bringing this guy in, the consideration is as a deeper center mid that also has that versatility to play. Um, just some things, just some notes about what I liked from what I saw. Not yet getting into the data. Uh, I love when this guy takes shots, he picks corners. Now, why am I bringing this up? I am bringing this up because of what we saw from Yanina, a bunch of shots with either no power or directly at the keeper. This guy picks corners with every shot, stretches the keeper on those shots. Love it. Love to see it. He can take set pieces too, and he's not half bad at it. So it's just another person that has that skill that can can do that job for us on a set piece. Uh, in terms of volume, we're always concerned about center mids that we bring in because our center mids have a lot of touches. They're heavily involved. They are an engine for our game going forward. And for Galatasaray, he was averaging fi- over just over 50 touches a game. So he's comfortable with the volume. He's comfortable being uh, an outlet and an engine that can 
we can play through. So one other thing I loved, this guy has incredible skill on the ball. I mean, he is extremely technical. When you hear coaches or some people say about players that the ball is just another appendage, it's like that. Some of the things I watched him do just reminded me of Fortuny, uh, especially in his prime, the way the ball would come to him. And whether he had the ball or not, whether he was receiving the ball or he was on the dribble, it was just another opportunity to beat the guy. He would, the ball would come to him. He would just flick it over a defender's leg, flick it anywhere he wanted, so close to him, chesting the ball, and didn't matter what type of ball. It could have been a laser coming to him by his teammate, a ball coming like a Hail Mary from the goalkeeper. Precision, always right around him, center of gravity, amazing. Uh, and just in ter- his overall control, fantastic in terms of his passing accuracy as well uh anything within that 15 to 20 meters is pretty good uh especially beneath that the concern i have is he's not super accurate with long balls the vision's there he sees the runs just like Madi does uh when players are moving across or fortuni he can see the switches he can see the people running he just doesn't seem to hit the mark very well um, which for a center mid, you want to be a little bit better. But considering that that was the first season he played as one, I think the execution can be worked on. I'm not super concerned about that. Defensively, uh, just above average, closing players down. Now, in terms of uh, metric of whether or not we rate him and how he works defensively, he's not as good as Madi. He's not as good as Bukhalakis, but he's a hell of a lot better than Thiago Silva. So at the very least, he's an upgrade on that in that respect. Well, you're paying uh, him much more than Tiago Silva. <laughs> we well, yeah, you will Pretty be sure Bonubasis is better than Tiago Silva. Exactly. So just to, but just so people are aware, he's he's competent. He doesn't do anything too stupid, uh, but he doesn't. He's not quite as good at it as Mari or Bukalakis are. Uh, in the air, so so. I wasn't super impressed with what I saw uh, in the air, but again, we're not bringing him in to be a wizard or win us stuff in the box or off of corner kicks. He'll be more more likely the guy taking it. Um, something that concerned me, similar to like what I saw with Rebchuk, the fouls I watched him committing in Turkey. Uh, frequent, very frequent. Some of them borderline unnecessary. Uh, something that I was concerned with Rebchuk that unfortunately we've seen a little bit more of as well. So uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, I don't know how how comfortable I am with that, but I think that's a discipline thing. And Rebchuk has improved with us in that respect, so I think he will improve as well. Um, as far as fouls go, he also has more yellow cards on a per 90-minute basis than any of our center mids or defensive mids. But again, same thing. I think that can be worked on. Now, uh, this is the most concerning part for me, this next part. And it was his body language. His body language is awful. The stuff that I saw was terrible. If I was a coach and I saw that on my field, that guy would be riding the bench. I don't care who he is. Uh, I did not like his attitude. Uh, I mean, in the beginning of the game, there's plays in like the first five, six minutes of a player maybe doesn't see him or the pass goes a little bit too far ahead. And I just see him making really just really gesticulating forever and like not stopping or or going to the next play. That concerns me. I do not like that. That is an attitude issue. And I'm not a huge fan. So all in all, what I saw in terms of the production, the technical ability, he's there. The attitude problems, I'm concerned with. 
So the question that I always get is, yay or nay, Adi? Yay or nay? Do you want him or you don't? If the wage is agreeable, and by agreeable I mean about half what he's getting paid or half what he was getting paid at Galatasaray, which was $3.5 million a season, I co- I'm considering it. Now, we also know that Martins, this guy wouldn't be on the radar if Martins wasn't interested. So I trust, if Martins thinks he can handle this head case, I trust him. So again, if, if he's not $2 million a season and Martins can handle him, I'm on board. Well, we're going to bring Theo back on, and Theo, you're going to we're going to we're going to keep you on here. And now that we're getting into the nitty gritty Olympiacos stuff here, um, we want to know your opinions based on what you know and what you've just heard with Adi. Do you think this guy is worth a try? Listen, guys, like like Adi mentioned earlier, it comes down to wages. It comes down to Martins, and Martins for me won't let a guy um, dictate the pace in the sense of how he's going to act. He doesn't want any trouble. We spoke about this a couple of days ago. I don't think we've seen the Olympiacos locker room as united and as cohesive as it's been now. Uh, I was talking to my father who was saying in the 70s, you know, there were good players, good left backs, good goalkeepers that wanted to crack the team, but there was always cliques. The one thing with Martins, he's not going to allow that. So listen, if if the wages make sense, uh, he's a creative player, a player that can definitely contribute based on his skill. Uh, the rest remains to be seen. But uh, for me, it's worth a try. Well, yeah, and it's it's a really good point about Martins. Now, before we do move on to the post game from the Kipelo uh, semifinal, we actually have a surprise appearance from uh, one of our other contributors. Um, this is Yanni Berisiotis. Uh, Yanni, thanks for stopping by, my friend. Uh, Yanni will be covering both the football team and the basketball team for us uh, as Hello, a blogger. So, yeah, thanks. man, just uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for uh, having me here. Sorry for my English. Uh, have a lot of time to practice them. So if if I'm talking bad, really sorry. I have a poster of Matt Derbyshire behind me. Oh. I have a poster of uh, with the ears like this in uh, Parathenaikos Pit. You can see. It. <laughs> What's up? <clears throat> Brilliant, man. Thank you so much, Yanni, for coming on. And your English is great. Uh, we've <laughs> met, you. and it's. Thanks. Your English is fine. <laughs> Thank There's you so no much. problems. And we're just super excited to have you on, writing in English, writing in Greek, whatever you want. That's, again, Thanks. Thanks. I, I hammered this on in the intro, Gates of an International. You, uh, people can write for whatever language they want who are going to be on our blog. We're really excited to get stuff out, get some basketball stuff. I know we've done one episode. Look out for that. There may be another basketball episode coming out soon, reviewing There will season. be. There, there, will will be basketball, there will be another basketball episode coming out. The regular season of the EuroLeague is ending next week. We're going to be having uh, two guys, uh, yeah, possibly two guys from the Red Point Guard team coming to join us uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that, basketball fans. Yeah. Yep. I will oh, try yeah, in me. English to I will try in English to write because I I, I want to make a career uh, in Guardian or uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah no it, and I'm re- we're I'm we're really happy proud. to help I'm, we're happy I'm to really help. proud with a thing you're doing it's really cool it's really really badass that your Olympiacos fans are broad you you cannot watch him uh, uh, you watch the team not in regular hours like uh, you watch it in the midday or it's it's i'm really proud of you it's really something really difficult to follow a greek team when you're abroad 
Um, it's really, really, really badass. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks, Thank man. you so much, Jan. I appreciate that. I feel badass. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Adi, you're still a nerd at heart. Come on. We all know this. <laughs> I am the biggest nerd. I Trust me. I know that. That's why I call everybody nerds. I can because I know I am one. So I could use it. Well, Yanni, thank Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Who is the most hardcore from you? The most hardcore, like, like hardcore Olympiacos fan, like. Uh... I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest one. It would probably be Costa, I think, because he's he's definitely been to more games, I would say, than anyone else, right? Okay, okay, okay. If we're talking Everyone... about like most unreasonable. It'd probably be Lambro. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's different. There's different degrees of hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. That's like us. Like shouting in the tele and television and say, "Oh come on, give the pass, uh, give the pass better, better pass." <laughs> to everyone. Oh, uh, watching. I mean, yeah, I, I. Peter has seen me in front of a TV for early Biakos game. You can describe Peter. Yeah, well, I mean, I think both of us get pretty animated these days. Of course, I'm just watching by myself usually, so I feel like I can just scream as loud as I can and no one will hear. <laughs> Maybe I mean, the neighbors hear. Pete is such an Olympiacos fan that even his hair turned red. I mean, that says everything. That's good. That's really good. Okay, guys. Thanks so much for stopping by, Yanni. We're really excited to, to have your content on the site, and uh, we can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yanni. Uh, bye, bye, bye. Bye. All right, guys. It's that time. We do have a little post game. We did, uh, if you didn't catch it on our YouTube channel, we do have some player ratings courtesy of Lambro and Costa, where they gave their immediate takes right after the game. But now here comes Adi with his analytics and his Y scout. He's going to lay down the law. And of course we have Theo here as well, who's going to give his takes. But I mean, we're just going to, we're going to chat about the game, give out our awards as we always do. But, you know, I think the way these things usually start is just Adi, you know, start us off with some stats here and we'll we'll get the discussion rolling. Sure. Base level stats. We'll go with kind of XG, how we always start with it. Won't surprise anybody. I I thought it was going to be closer to three. It ended up being for Libyakos, our XG was 2.11. And understandable, there were quite a few opportunities missed uh, by uh, the our favorite, our favorite best worst player ever, Hassan had multiple opportunities, and scored probably the most difficult one. Ironic, but love it. Anyway, Yanina's XG ended up as 2.2, but the context there is that they had a PK. So if we remove the PK from their XG, it turned out to be about 1.44. They had some great opportunities. They got forward, and they were dangerous, especially a couple times on the counter. Quick side note, the way Yanina played against the Libyakos is really how I thought and hoped the Ethniki could play against Spain. But we're not going to go beyond that. Just a little thing I wanted to throw out there. Now, in open play, Libyakos had 52 attacks in open play. That's the most attacks in open play we've had all season. Seven shots resulting from that. Uh, probably one of the worst efficiencies we've had in terms of converting our possessions into shots. Yanina had 17 attacks resulting in six shots in open play. It was a dominant performance by Libyakos. The opportunities were there. The problem was the end product. There were multiple, multiple opportunities, golden opportunities, missed by Hassan with some really pathetic attempts by Bruma. I mean, Maya Ya can kick a ball stronger than some of his shots were. So, Bruma, uh, man, he's you know, 
I've, uh, uh, well, maybe we'll wait. Maybe we'll wait. But Bruma, my God, man, like he you're not worth me. you're not worth six million euros. You're not worth six euros, my friend. Like I've seen it. Yeah. It, so all in all, in terms of the metrics, I've seen stuff all over the place about how oh three four three wasn't the right formation. We didn't pr- produce enough. That's that's false. We produced. The end product wasn't there. The, it. This was one of the games where we had some of the most activity in the final third and in the box. So the opportunities were there. We just couldn't capitalize on them. And credit to Yanina as well. The shape, their shape defensively was very tight. They stayed very composed. And when when I talked about with the Ethniki how we had no plan when we had the ball and we were moving forward, Yanina had a plan, a rehearsed plan when they won back possession and went forward. Did you guys notice how when they would win the ball back, play it to the one central midfielder? They had two, they had two players running laterally next to him. One stretching a little bit right, one staying exa- a little bit next to him square, which is literally right next to him, creating an opportunity. The striker that was there, that was staying forward, either went left, depending on where the play was going, or right to then either create an outlet or make a run. And how many times did that burn us? There were two times in the second half that burned us going down the right-hand side. So that is what a plan looks like when you win the ball and you're playing against a team that is better than you and dominating possession and making more opportunities. That is a plan. And I congratulate Yanina on that. I thought that they played very well, and I think that they played very well all season. Theo, what did you think about the game? Look, I think, guys, there was uh, an expected – I don't want to say drop-off because it almost sounds bad after a big derby win. Um, Personally, I love the 3-4-3. I feel defensively, you know, we were a little bit loosey yesterday, but I felt we were good on Sunday. Uh, I felt we created chances yesterday as well. The only issue being – um, the conversion, which was terrible. I mean, there were some awful finishes, and I know how you spoke about that with uh, with Hassan, of course, uh, with Bruma. Uh, Fortuny for me wasn't fantastic yesterday, and I don't know how well he fits into the three four three. That remains to be seen. But I think that three four three is Martin's way of really planning for next season, especially in those European games uh, where we might see a lot more of that. But all in all, look, I think the the one one tie is uh, it's I guess a, a good coach team. And I was reading uh, some quotes on Nicola Coppola today. And, and I thought about it also. We played Yana for uh, three 90 minutes this year. We were leading for a couple of minutes out of all those 270-plus uh, minutes. They're a tough team to play against. And th- there's a reason why their coach, uh, Yannikis, is wanted, even they're staying now by Ike or Paranaiko potentially in the summer. They're a well-coached team and, and, and a good team. But I, I think we have it. Uh, we have them for sure at Karaiskaki, barring anything tragic. But uh, all in all, a game that was almost expected to go the way it did, and uh, we got a tie. It, it, it doesn't need to be said that if it weren't for Jose Sar, we would be 3 0 down after 65 minutes. Agreed, yeah. Yes. Because, uh, because we, of Bruma we, and uh, Ba. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> he had his that, problems. That, that needs to be said. And we talked about that yesterday when we did the play ratings with, with Labro. He went through a dip of form since December, it's true. Um, the criticism that he received, we've talked about that before. It, it crossed the line, like way over the line. Everything that happens, the, the messages to his wife and to his Instagram, intolerable. But yesterday, guys, we would be 3-0 down. There was a one-on-one he saved in the 55th minute. And then 10 minutes later, a cross came in from the right-hand side. 
it was a tap-in finish and he instinctively saved it, we would be 3-0 three, three down going into the second tie. Jose Sarr, absolutely massive performance yesterday. Hands down, man of the match for me. Um, we'll probably talk about this later as well, but he is he is one of the reasons why we are the, the championship contender, outright championship contender. Uh, the difference between us and the other teams, whether it's Ajax, Balk, Panathinaikos even, is a keeper like him, among other. Uh, I wanted to quickly draw our attention back to a comment I just saw from Decimus. Uh, is Yanikis a, uh, a good coach for the Ethniki? Listen, what he's done with Yanina, what we've watched, and I've actually, my, uh, my, my in-laws or my mother-in-laws from Yanina, so that's part of my wife's heritage. So I watch Yanina now just because, and I got to tell you guys, they impress me with what they have there, the project that they've built this season. I'm impressed. They've, they've performed quite well, and Yanikis has done a great job. If JVS fails, if he struggles against Kosovo and gets the axe, which he probably would if that happens, I wouldn't mind seeing Yanikis there. The question would be, can he manage the egos? But I think that he would be a solid choice for the Ethniki if JVS were to be let go. Uh, just a, a, a note because I like that comment and like that question going forward. I, I would say no because he's like 36-year-old and his last job was in the German fourth division. Like, I know he's doing great things at Janina. I would tell this guy, I would say, you built this Janina project, it's time to go abroad. Do you really think you're going to go to Ike and Panathinaikos with Melisanidis, Alafuzos, and turn that around? You guys tell me. Like, it seems like career suicide. The The move has to be to go abroad for him. I guess he grew up in Germany. If I was him, I would look for... Bundesliga 2 or low-end Bundesliga if I was him. I'm going to be honest. And I would stay the hell away from the Greek national team job if I was him. Just my opinion. Labro, would you say that he should, quote-unquote, turn his back on the team? <laughs> I I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I got in hot Just water. Just joking, mate. But, uh, don't upset him. We don't have Greg here to hug him. Let's, let's, move, uh, let's move to this... We need, there are a few players we need to just like talk about. Um, Bruma guys, like this have have we seen enough? I know we've said it over and over again. He's every fourth game he comes and puts a, a performance on that's worth you know scratching our head and rethinking. But like he just passes it to the goalkeeper, man. I I can't with I like sometimes you just want him to put some velocity on the shot pick out the corners you know, like Adi was talking about earlier, even if it's not like a fast shot, but like what, what's, what's the deal with him guys. Uh, we've had the conversation before, but like for me yesterday was just like, I went from potentially wanting him back on a reduced fee and now to like, I'm not sure if I want him in the team next year. I've revised down 
my price for him. I know I said, oh, maybe two million or something. Now it's like less than a million. I will say this though, I, even though I, I thought his his end product, his shot was terrible, he had a couple of decent plays. He had uh, one smart pass, one key pass. So he had a couple of opportunities and he was three for four on the dribble. So he had a couple of one-on-one attempts where he did get by the defenders. It's it's just some of the some of the pass play and it's not like he misplaces passes all the time. He was 21 for 26, 80% pass completions solid. That's it's not, you know, we'd like to see higher sometimes, but for a winger, that's okay. We'll let that go. I just don't see enough of some of the other things. Like we, we like to see uh, even in a three, four, three, we like to see the, you know, the two outside forwards, we'll call them. Uh, They're really, we let them float around and play inside. I do like to see them kind of, going wide and contributing with crosses and Bruma is like a fat zero. That's two games in a row. Now we haven't seen a single cross from, from Bruma. And that has to be part, part of your portfolio. You have to do that because that's part of how Hassan gets the opportunities and does what he does. You have to have that service. And if you're not doing that, you're just trying to dribble inside constantly, or you're trying to play like Costa, but you don't have the skill of Costa. Uh, it doesn't really work out too much. So I'd be, I'm, I'm not going to be, bothered if we don't retain him personally no i agree i mean uh, listen he's not the winger that's gonna make the difference and in this formation also uh i feel he's even his decision making guys is poor uh even i think back at that psv game at a point just gives the ball to the left doesn't look uh he's a guy who's repetitive and he does have the odd good game but it's the odd good game which is the problem there's a lack of consistency there and i can't see them keeping him especially at that price tag yeah, guys, the only, the, the, sorry, the, the only thing I would add is I was surprised not to see Mario Vrusa in the, in the squad list yesterday. I mean, uh, if it's a choice between Mario Vrusa and Bruma, I pick Mario Vrusa every time. I just, I, he, he's, I mean, not to mention he's an academy product, but we know that Vrusa is a player that is direct. He likes to run at people. He can place the ball when he's inside the box, into the corners. He can hit it with power from outside. He can pass a ball 5, 10 yards, 15 yards. He can do the basics well. He's fast. He's not as fast as Bruma. The only thing that Bruma has that's better than Versailles is pace and acceleration in the open field. But when he's defended closely, I think I think Versailles is better in terms of his his touch, his control, and his dribbling ability when he's in a closed space. So I would much rather see Mario Vrusai get more chances next year. I absolutely, I've said it before, I think 6 million minimum fee release clause for Bruma is absolutely ridiculous. Even three is pushing it. We don't know what kind of money we're going to have available this summer. We don't know if we're going to be out of COVID. We don't know what our financial situation is going to be. Are we going to have season tickets? Are the stadiums going to be uh, allowing fans in? That's going to have an impact on our transfer budget. And we rarely spend more than three to four million anyway when it comes to a transfer, even the ones we consider big. So please save the money for somebody that's going to make a difference. That's why we bought Bruma in. He hasn't made a difference. So, sorry, but no. If I if I may jump in as well, I've done it again. I, I can't believe I've done it again. Is he the 2.0 of Hernani? The, Hernani was the same thing, right? He came on loan, 
and it wasn't he had the buyout option everyone was debating every week do we buy Hernani do we not buy Hernani Hernani shit oh no Hernani's really good Hernani sucked and we didn't buy him so I don't know I I, I did it again I put historical reference out I had to do it I, it just came to my mind but well, no I would I would never buy Bruma I would they would have to pay me to buy Bruma, Bruna, Bruma, Bruna, Bruno. I don't know, Bruma. I'm just Lambro's having a howler over here, folks. Let's let's I'm move just, on to another player. I'm so, done with him. Yeah. First, uh, let's move on to Fetanos. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't think Y Scout gets any data on Finland fourth division, unfortunately. But uh, keep working your way up there, my friend. We'll we'll always be supporting you. Uh, let's talk about Fortunis, guys. Um, Adi, I know he's he's been a player of of big big controversy. Personally, I think it's just because of the incredibly high expectations that people have for him, um, and also the fact that he is to a degree playing out of position. But Adi, I mean, what do the numbers tell us? And you know, we'll just take it from there. The numbers tell us that Lambro is wrong. That's what they tell us. That Lambro is wrong. Here's why Lambro is upset. Fortuny was two for seven on the dribble. Lambro wants to see him cutting in and out. You know, he wants to see him beating everybody by himself. And that's not happening anymore. Those inside cuts, the 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 step overs. When you have a nasty knee injury like he had, you don't. It's it's more difficult to do. It's a lot of it's mental. But he has such great control. He does so much without without having to do that. And we've seen him suffer. He was in terms of his dribble success. Uh, if we look in his career. Career-wise, he's always been close to 60% in terms of how, how often he succeeds on the dribble. And he averages constantly like six or seven one-on-one attempts a game. Career. Now, if we isolate this season, it's less. We're, we're in the 40s. There has been a regression in terms of his one-on-one dribble success. But not in terms of a lot of the other product. So... Let's let's go over what Costa did. Okay, we didn't see him, you know, a couple of those times where he dribbled through like three people and he lost it at the end. Oh, no. Yeah, he didn't do it. He might have been able to do it like three years ago. But what did he do? One assist. Four, he had four total shot assists. Sorry, besides the one assist, he had four shot assists after that. Two key passes in open play. Two were from his corner kicks. Eight crosses. Eight crosses. Fortuny led our team in crosses in terms of that production, something that we we really, really, really like to see. He also came back. He dropped back to win the ball back as well defensively. Even when Fortunis was at his best before offensively, we never saw that type of activity from him. So now, the uh, he also had that shot, that, that uh, off-target shot. Whatever, I'm not going to even include that. And I see a lot of people getting upset saying, uh, you know, Fortuny, Fortuny, it has to, he doesn't take the team on his shoulders and win games. When the guy is creating all of these opportunities and his expected assist is over one, well, I don't understand what you want, what else do you want him to do? When Hassan's missing sitters, he's creating Bruma interplay with them. When he's, when he's been the offense for us. I don't know what else what else you you want from him. So I mean, now I will say this: yes, he has. He's maybe not as sharp on some things uh, as as other things. But this Fortunis is an offensive leader in the Greek Super League. And remember, he hasn't played the minutes that everybody else has. 
So in this game in particular, this guy had over a hundred actions, like everything, passes, defensive actions, running a hundred actions, more than anybody else on the field. He was involved in everything, both defensively and offensively. I don't get how you can be upset, super upset with Fortuny's performance. It's not on him to finish the opportunities he's making. All you can ask is that he makes good ones, and he did. Now, that being said, it's not like I'm going to give him a 9 or 10 here. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that he's deserving, even in a draw, of a 7.5. My man of the match would still be Jose Sa, but I think Fortuny deserves a 7.5, and the data supports that. Lambro. What's your Is this my call to action? We embrace debate on the Gate 7 International podcast. So, Lambro, we want to hear your side. Peter, tell me how many, how much love I have for Fortunis. Tell, tell the people how many jerseys I lot. like imported. A whole, a whole goddamn lot. lot. I used to wear Fortunis jerseys to freaking parties at, at college. Things change. Things <laughs> clearly change. I love him. I love him so much. Like, I my picture with Fortunis, he was like my, my love. I loved him. He was like my... I wouldn't say my first love, but like I loved Fortunis. And but I've gone cold. And do you know why I've gone cold? Because I've been re-watching old clips. I sent you guys this Burnley behind the stage things, and I've been watching Olympiacos does these things like they used to, at least before coronavirus, like behind the scenes, and they would show you like on the pitch how the players are playing and the fans and blah blah blah. But you watch Fortunis run and pass and cut. Even like jump. He jumps up in celebration. Like, I don't even think he can jump like an inch off the ground anymore. He is so physically not there. Like, he he just, his movement, he's slow, and his, his technique is fantastic, and that gets him by most defenders. But I guess the player who I'm loved into, who I fell in love with, is just not ever coming back. Does that make sense? Maybe that's why I'm so upset. I don't know. Why are you still, like, in love with Mitro, though? Shut up, Peter. Shut up. Just <laughs> anyway, I think Costa wants to say something. You, I think you're getting too emotional, man. It's like, look, <laughs> do you remember in tw- that that horrible 2017 season? I think in 2017 when Hassi was the coach, and it was you know that awful season we lost two one at home against Ike. He, I remember, I was at that game where we lost two one. There was a moment in that game where we were transitioning into attack and he was like, he was alone kind of running towards the goal. And he, I remember him falling over because he didn't have the legs, didn't have the energy. That was Fortunis three, four seasons ago. And remember at the end of that season, he brought in that German coach to work with him in preseason. And he brought that coach with him every year since then. And that's when we started to see the Fortunis at Burnley, the Fortunis in the Milan game, the Fortunis that was bossing everything in Martins's first season. Fortunis was never as fit as he was before the injury. Yes, he had a serious injury. Last season, Martins built the team without him. So the teams learned to play without Costa. We don't play a 4-2-3-1 anymore. He likes the 4-3-3. And now Costa has to try and fit in on the wing. So Costa has to adapt to a new system. He hasn't had a preseason. He's not fit. He hasn't worked with a coach. And you're saying he's not fit. He's not strong. He's not as fast as he was. Of course he's not as fast as he was. Of course he's not as strong as he was. 
When did he have the time to do that? He hasn't had regular games. He's not match fit. He's in and out of the team. I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm a big Costa fan too as well. I'm I I'm as sad as you when I see him play because I have the memory of how good he was before he got injured, the memory of him dancing around seven Armenia players like Messi and tapping the ball in going past the keeper. I hope it will come back. We all do. We don't know what's going to happen in the summer, but I give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's have some faith. Yes. Do do Fortuny and Belhanda work together in a team? Adi, I know you maybe addressed this a little bit, but what do people think? I think for what we're looking at with Belhanda, if, if he's going to play deeper, I think so. Yeah, I think they could work. Now, if Belhanda all of a sudden starts creeping into that, you know, in the three four three, he's playing on the left or right in the in that elevated forward role or inside winger role, then that's when it becomes a problem. Fair enough. Um, is it is it time to just to have the big argument that can I can I respond? Oh, Lambro, real quick? Lambro wants can to. I res- can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just I, I I feel like people are like going at me for saying this like stuff, but like. I'm saying this because I love Fortuny so much. And like I, I said in the chat too, because we were getting into it. Like I remember when he tore that ACL, I cried. I swear to God, I cried. I loved him so much because I knew like that could be it for him. You know, footballers don't come back like in other sports with the ACL. And like, I, yeah, this is true. He, he He's doing so well this season, goal scoring and assist wise. But it just, I don't know. It's just... I don't know. I, I, I wanted to see him with a preseason. I think Costa hit the nail on the head with that. I just want to see him. I just want to see the old Fortuny back. I miss him so much. And I and I just don't know if it's ever going to be there again. And he still performs magically some nights. I don't know. It's tough. Well, Lambert, it's, I think. Uh, I oh, think sorry. Fetano just put that uh, uh, the stat up. He was seven goals, 11 assists this season. In the Greek Super League, it's actually eight goals, 10 assists, just in the Super League. So if we combine, right, if we do it like hockey style and we assign a point per goal, a point per assist to see who's and who has the most volume in terms of end product, number one is obviously, most of you would probably guess it, El Arabi. He's got 20 goals on the season, two assists. Fortuny is second with 18. Eight goals, 10 assists. He has a higher end product and more assists now than Madalos, who Madalos, who statistically is the best creator in the Super League, and yet Costa is doing better than him, not just in terms of the end product that he has, but in the expected end product, expected goals, expected assists. He's not just making things happen, but he's get, he's making great opportunities where they should be executed on. So I, I, you know what? Okay, maybe he can't dribble, do the one-on-one dribbles anymore. But the he has he he has elevated in terms of his his vision and the things that he can do without having to do that. And I will take that because to me that is a better player than a player that can just do one-on-one dribbles against things. It might not be the magic that makes highlight reels, but it's the magic that wins you games. Well, I think it's we've we've talked about one of Lambro's favorite players. Lambro, by the way, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to make it feel like we're ganging up on you here, but it's no, just the way that things I, have been. But uh, it's funny because, like, it, it's because like I'm the minority here. But I think like 
I am doing this very t- timidly compared to other fans on social media. Can we say that? Like, like from the Greek-speaking community, from the English-speaking community, I think a lot of people are kind of like, I, I think I can say that, right? Like, I'm doing this very lightly and politely because I love the guy so much, but, like, there are people doing this very not politely, if we can say that. I, I think just to add on that and to answer a question that was asked earlier, can Belhanda, if he arrives... And Fortunis playing the same team. There's been a lot of chatter that Belhanda's coming because Fortunis isn't going to be there next season, potentially. So it's going to be a long summer, guys. Uh, without opening a big discussion now about transfers in and out, who's staying, who's going. Um, but um, could be an interesting one for Fortunis as well. All right, Lambro, let's talk about Bar. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Lambro, I'll let you go first, Lambro, this time. No, I, I don't have the data here, right? No, but let me just say something about Bob. Um, so I, w- I hit this on the player ratings with Costa, and he's just reckless. Like, I, I misdescribed it when I was upset with him the other time, and I was blaming technique. It's not technique. It's just recklessness. Hands flying, feet flying, just diving into tackles, misplaced passes everywhere. He could have given up two penalties. The first penalty we can talk about wasn't a penalty, we know. But the hands were up. What is he doing with the hand up like this? I don't know. But And then the second one, he stuck a foot in. I, I, had to re, I, I, I have to rewatch it, but I remember seeing it and thinking, wow, we're lucky that wasn't a penalty. And then he has the one where he plays the guy. He tries to play the offside trap, and the guy's in front of him. So the guy's cutting the ball back. It's not. It's never going to be offside. It was just like, do we not have a brain here? Do we not? Do you know what I mean? Like, do we not think? It, it's it's just infuriating with the guy sometimes, and his freaking attitude is disgusting. The thing about pushing the ref, putting the hands on the ref, hitting the ball all the time is such bullshit. Like, it needs to stop. I'm. I gave him the Arsenal game. And I thought he would get the attitude right, but he's not. And it's getting old, man. It's an old act. And he needs to clean it up. I don't know if the ego's gotten so big now that he's in his national team and the big clubs are knocking. I don't know what the deal is, but it, there's some bullshit going on with him. And I, I would hit him on the bench. That's just me. So my take as someone who is like gen- generally a fan of Ba, um, the attitude is an issue. I don't disagree with you on that. However, I should say like, it's just, he's just a young player who cares a lot. And like, really, he just like is very passionate about the, like, it could be a lot worse. He could be like Ruben Vinagre who doesn't care. Um, and I, I understand the concern because he did this against Arsenal. We saw him crying on camera and feeling very remorseful. And he goes out and does it again. Obviously it's like in the moment, even like someone is like me, who's played like high school level sports, like you get pissed off and like, throw something or yell something. And it's like, you didn't want to do that, but you do it in the moment, whatever. Um, This is, I mean, and the bench may be a solution for a little bit because this is something that that for me is Pedro Martin's responsibility first and foremost to see this in the player and be like, look, you can't do this because it's, it's hard for Ba himself to, to adjust in the moment like that. It can be very difficult, especially when you're like a young player and, and you do have like a, maybe a bit of an angry streak, which I mean, it is what it is. Like, I'm not, it's certainly not a good thing, but also I will say, can we, can we like not act like Ruben Semedo doesn't make a big mistake, like all the time, like C say big mistake all the time. Like guys, Bob, like, like if you, 
yes. And it's like, this is, this is what Adi has called halo effects. Like, yes, Ba had like that big moment. I think like the moment when the last moment you described Lambro, when he like sort of tried to play the offside trap, like that is a mistake. And you remember that more strongly than like everything else that he does well over the course of the game. And if we look at the analytics and just say like, okay, let's like analyze every time Ba gets into a situation where he's being challenged. This man is immaculate. Like it has to be said in against European teams, against Greek teams, like, yes, he has a few shockers, but he's immaculate. And when he has a shocker, like you can't, you have to remember that Semedo has shockers all the time. Like Cisse has difficulties. So Karate, I mean, he's, he's, another you know he's a very experienced player and we haven't necessarily seen any big blunders from him since he's joined the club but these things happen uh i'm not going to disagree with you that you know yesterday wasn't his best game um i'm not going to disagree with you that the attitude is an issue and it needs to be dealt with and it's a test of martins as a manager to deal with that and i'm interested to see if he can sort of improve that especially with this guy bel honda who we know has attitude issues on the way in Potentially, obviously, it's you know it's just words at this point. But um, anyway, I'm gonna let Adi say the stats. Uh, we've talked in private about the stats; they're they're quite good. But I'm gonna let him get specific. Uh, Costa, go ahead. I uh, I saw you add something before that. No, no, I was just crossing my fingers when uh, Peter was talking about Socrates not showing any blunders so far. So no, no, go ahead, guys. Give knock it. on wood. Yeah, well, you hear that? We're all set. I'm just Peter brought up the some table here. <laughs> Yeah, Peter brought up some great points, especially about Semedo. Semedo had some howlers, and I didn't see half the outcry. Semedo was now. I know the pitch was bad, like the, the pitch was kind of slippy. We saw that, but Semedo was all over the place on that left side in the second half. How many times did he go out and slide or or go to ground just to get completely burned? And we had a, an opportunity against us three times exactly. And you're what a complaint about three mistakes that Bob made. Let me. I have something for you here. Ba had 102 total actions in the game yesterday. 102 passes, what have you, everything. What do you think his success rate for total action was? Everything he did, anything he did, could have been a cross, could have been a header. What do you think his total success was without context? Any, you want to take a guess, Labro? I I would say ninety five percent, but it's the five percent you fuck up. I'm you mess okay, up. That, that's fair. That's fair. All right, and we're gonna get into that. So I want to get into the some of the specifics, right? So let's go into how he closed people down. Okay, so uh, the data a four for six defensive duels. Now the two that he lost, uh, one he closed the guy down and the guy hit it off of him for uh, throwing, and then the second time was when he was at the top of the eighteen. The guy was dribbling on him. And he sort of forced him out to the to to the left a little bit, and the guy took a shot that went like nowhere. So that shows as unsuccessful because the shot got off, but it wasn't threatening for me. Effectively, that's six out of six defensive duels in the air. He won everything in our side of the field. The only aerial duel that he lost, or sorry, there were two aerial duels that he lost. One was in the offensive zone on off of a Fortuna's free kick, and the second one he lost the aerial duel in the midfield. But guess what? The guy won the ball in the air. Then he crowded him out and took the ball back. Loose balls. He won all but one loose ball, which was that led to that second uh, opportunity where the penalty, where that could have been like a second penalty. So we had the first one and then that one, which was kind of rough. Um, six interceptions, 18 recoveries, led the team in recoveries, getting the ball back, scooping it up and getting us into another possession. 
in terms of how he played on the ball, I know we don't sing his praises in possession because let's just be honest, guys. We know that Ruben Semedo is better on the ball. But in terms of possession, when when Ba had the ball at his feet, the guy had a 90% pass accuracy. So he had that one upper that one time when he had the ball, and he tried to like chip the guy when he had the ball in the defense. He tried to like chip the Yanina player, but it went like right to him and it and it went out. He closed them down after that anyway. But I the attitude thing, I agree with 100 percent But I can't see that he had a, a howler of a game when he made two mistakes, three tops in 102 actions. Adi, because I feel bad for Lambro, and I'm gonna side with him because he's he's in no. The but top can spot I today. say, Peter? Well, can I well, like? Yeah, yeah. You go ahead. Can I say ahead. real quick, and then you can say your piece. Like, it is so cool when you do 95% of the things right. You know who else does like 95% of the things right? Like Shoptan, however the hell you say his name, Mustafi for Arsenal. Like the problem with this. That's sh- false. He does not do 95. Anyway, <laughs> it was a bad wrong. example. But there's. Adi, but like Yasin Meria does 95% of the things right, but then he has bullshit blunders like where he should have gave up two penalties and should have let in a goal if Jose Sa is not the best keeper we've seen ever. Adi, Adi, what I want to say, like, Lambro, <laughs> I'm going to try to be on your side here. Um, the three mistakes that Lambro talked about, like oh, the first one, like we can say the hands maybe were in a, a suspect place. The second one, we can say maybe he was too physical. The third one was a mental mistake and he should have been positioned better. To be fair, those things don't show up as actions, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, well, so in those opportunities, right? So the offsides is the only one that won't show up um, because technically, but it shows up as a, uh, because he did allow a pass, it shows as a progressive pass allowed. So it shows up still negative toward him in a different statistic. You just have to look for it. But the other two showed up against him. They do show up against him as negatives in terms of total actions. And here's the other thing. The, the stuff about Media was 100% wrong. He's, Media, it, he's, he was terrible at everything. The only thing he was really good at was being on the ball. But he was bad at everything else. Great with the ball at his feet, but a terrible defender. Terrible. And Ba is still, if we look at the defensive metrics, he's the best on the team. The best. The best across everything. Pick something, anything you want, and he's probably better at it. I want to get Theo involved. I want to get Theo involved. Theo, what's your take on this whole situation, like either just considering his game yesterday or broadly? Look, I I think any way you slice it, even if you look at the numbers, Nadia, I don't want to disagree with you, but yesterday there was was a times where he looked like he was, uh, either his head wasn't into it or or whatever it was. Uh, Again, the pitch was awful, uh, so that doesn't help. A couple of passes that that were, uh, were bad passes. Overall, I think Ba has been definitely a positive for us, and, and I think we could all agree on that. Uh, but look, attitude-wise, there's a problem. It happened in Peristeri. It happened with Arsenal. It's, it's, it's happening now where it's becoming, a, uh, it's becoming an issue because it's happening as often as it is. So, look, I don't know what's going to happen with Ba in the summer. And again, I know Costa mentioned about transfers, and, and that's going to be a, a topic for another day. Uh, who knows? But uh, again... The one thing that I'm confident with is is Martins and the fact that, you know, he's he's there and he's always going to be somebody to put guys back in their place. I also want to bring up two other things because, you know, obviously because Ba had the penalty, I everyone was focused on him. But I want to recall a couple of plays that we so easily could have eaten it. 
Everybody remembers those two counters, right, that Yan and I had in the beginning of the second half where we almost bit it, if not for Jose Sa. Okay, so who got beat the first time that allowed the, the, him to go through and get the shot on goal? Who got beat? Semedo. It was Ruben, wasn't it? Uh, Ruben was one, but who was the other one right next to him that just watched it happen? Marking was nobody. It, was it Holebas? Yes, it was. The man we sung his praises. Number two, the second one. Does everyone remember the through ball that Holebas allowed because he weirdly contorted himself? He was like, went around left and then like turned around. And by the time he contorted himself back to the, his natural position, the, the, the player on the right, was it Pamlidis? I think it might, it might have been Pamlidis, was already on the ball and going towards goal. Let's also not forget, how about on the first half? Ruben Semedo could have been sent off last yesterday too. Can yes. we say that? Ruben yeah. Semedo. And then how about all those times that I brought up where he was like on the ground? Uh, Adruzos did it once or twice too when he came on. And the Yanina the, the winger is just like, okay, here, I'm going to go around you. I, get, I know it's a wet pitch, so it's, it's, it's difficult for me. But, but all of these opportunities, had, had one of those resulted in a goal, we would be lambasting these guys. In terms of a volume of what types of opportunities Ba left or allowed, there were three. Three bad ones where I can find Holebas and Semedo each had a little bit more than that and each have their fair share of the blame. So I think that, I think that because Ba was called for that, that penalty, I honestly believe that everyone's giving him way more shtick than he deserves because that happened. Now, you know, again, I'm not – in terms of the player ratings you guys gave them, I know that I get – a little bit adamant about certain things, but I'm not going to give him like a seven. I'm not going to give him probably even a six and a half. I just think that those things have to be considered and maybe he deserved a slight bump because of it. So that that's all I'm saying, that we gave too much blame to Ba and we didn't focus enough on the others. That That's really kind of what I was getting at here. That's all. Well, I think that's about all we have for this game. We do still want to chat about the website a little more. So, you know, for people sticking around, we're going to chat about that more. But one last thing, man of the match and coach is great as we always do. Now, uh, we spoiled man of the match a little bit, but I figure we'll still go around uh, man of the match and coaches grades. So I'll get started. Jose saw is my man of the match people. Uh, we talked about it already. Although I'd like to give um, a shout out to Andruzos, who I thought played well when he was on uh, this formation really suits him. and has to be said. Uh, I want to see more of Lala. I, I I don't, you know, right now, if, if you know, if, if it's a game we need to win, I'm picking on Drutzos over Lala, but uh, I've not given up on Kenny yet. Uh, just a side note. Uh, coach's grade, what are we going to say here? So uh, the 3-4-3, three, three, I like that we've continued to use it. Um, taking Sokrati off, I don't know if that's a fitness issue or a tactical issue. To be fair to Martins, Holebas played well in the last couple games. And Socrati could always use 45 minutes of rest in the cup. Uh, so I'm not going to ding him too much for that. Uh, Bruma and Bruma and Hassan missing every chance that they get, except for Hassan scoring the one goal, really isn't in uh, the, the coach's control too much, except for the fact that he played them. But I'm not going to give him a hard time for resting El Arabi for one game and uh, playing Bruma over Masuras and Lazar. I guess Rusai maybe would have been the one change that I would make. So I guess I'll say B plus. Maybe that's a bit uh, nicer given that we draw against Yanina. Maybe I'll say B uh, just because of the result. Uh, I, I think maybe I, maybe I'll be a bit higher than everyone else, but that's what I say. 
No, I think we, I mean, we did the player ratings yesterday. For me, man of the match, clear, Jose Sarr, as I said before. Um, coach's grade, probably gets a B. I don't think we need to play 3-4-3 against Yanina, with all due respect. Uh, I know he's testing it out for, for next season. I understand that's what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, I was a bit miffed not to see Mario Vrusai in the, in the, in the squad yesterday. So for me, it's, um, he coach gets a B. I guess I'll go then. Uh, uh, I said Jose Salman in the match last time, um, last time in the player ratings, of course. And for Coach Martins, I would go with a B minus. I would, I would, I would guess. Didn't really like love Jose Hulebas coming on. To be honest, like if Socrates was going to come on, I would have enjoyed going to four two three one or something simple like that. I also just Hassan doesn't do it for me. I would have loved to see Hugo Kuipers. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but like, if he wins the league on Sunday night, who who really cares? And we go and win in Kariskaki. That's it. So yeah, but C plus. I didn't love it. Uh, man of the match has to be Jose Sa. Saved some really dangerous stuff. Great, great performance from him. All the way, Jose Sa. Uh, my, in terms of my uh, coach's grade for Martins, uh, there were a couple things I didn't like. Obviously, Hassan starting. I get why he did it. The adjustment, uh, you know, giving somebody else a run. First leg of the equipo. For, I guess... Uh, Create a lot of opportunities. The adjustments created more opportunities as well. We just didn't have the end product. Um, I'll give him a B plus. Uh, he did more positive than negative. He can't play. He, he can't be on the field playing with the guys. And we saw 52 attacks in open play. You know, okay, maybe the conversion was off, but the overall game strategy saw us dominant. Uh, some some terrible player errors where the resulted in us copying a couple things and a, and a penalty that was questionable. I can't put that on him. So uh, game plan was good. B plus. Well, look, I think for Jose, Sa, we're all going to be in accordance that he was the man of the match yesterday. Uh, Martins, again, we're working on that three, four, three. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock into anything after a first leg, but uh, for me, it's a B and you know, we got the draw and it, we, we scored away. Uh, we'll take that any day and, and come back to guys. Kaki for, for the second leg. All right. Yeah. Well, also, Peter, uh, we're yeah. not getting so many comments on YouTube, but I'm, or we are getting comments, but we're not seeing them. And uh, uh, a guy made a great point. And he said, Can we talk about Oleg Rayubchuk real quick, guys? He is long enough in the team to talk about him as a player. What do you think about him? Some fans are going sour on him. I added that on to the point. Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? Like, is. What it? What are we looking at? Oleg was subbed off, I think. Right? He was subbed off at halftime, was it? Like, yeah, it was after halftime. Yeah. Most are we worried? Finished formation. Are we worried? I know some fans are worried. Are Are we worried? I'm not, but. Um, I don't think so. I think uh, we kind of knew. You know, the first the first couple games, it was exciting to see a new player in the team and and him doing the things that he did do. Uh, but there were flaws there. And I think now that he's sort of uh, an accepted player in the team and he's got higher expectations of him, people are seeing those flaws. Uh, just the normal things that come with a young, inexperienced player, to be fair, a lot of them. Um, 
I think he's still a player that we want to, we want to keep, you know, looking at. And I mean, worst case uh, I've, I've been told, and we can read more about this in Martial's piece that's up on our website. Um, Leo Curis is uh, still alive and, and he's getting a little bit more of a consistent run in the team from what I can tell. So maybe he's someone that'll give Oleg some competition in the future. Um, but no, I'm not super worried, to be honest with you. I think uh, I think things should be okay. I'm, I'm not worried. worried. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. He's a hardworking kid. He's not a kid that's going to... Yeah. He runs hard. Sometimes he runs needlessly. But, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to uh, be flashing in any way, shape, or form, at least in my opinion. But I'm not worried. Tsimikas did that when he was starting out as well. He was running up and down the pitch like a madman and he was wasting energy. And when we started seeing him come good before he transferred, it's when he knew when to go forward and he knew when to stay back. I think I see a lot of that in, in Rebchuk as well. Um, I'm not worried about him. He's going to have competition as well next year. I think we're going to be bringing in a left back. Kudris is still away on another year for another year. Uh, Fonde Camara, who's uh, away at Hanya, is coming back, but I really, I've never seen him play. But um, I think we're going to be bringing in a reinforcement at left back as well for some competition. But all in all, I'm not worried. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe the production in, in terms of the crosses, the service into the box, isn't quite what we expected it would be, and. The the thing the thing that's good for me is uh, in terms of his link up, it's pretty good. His his pass percentage is high. The my the thing for me is okay. The fouls are down. I was worried that he fouled was fouling too much unnecessarily and that that would come here. He's really worked on that. the The thing that's hurting his game is that he overvalues his speed, and you see that he's very comfortable getting forward because. He knows that he's fast and he's used to the competitions he used to play in where he didn't care and he could get back to defend. Well, guess what, buddy? You got to be careful. You're in better competitions now and you're going to have to be a little bit more careful. So I think I think he'll learn his lesson. He really reminds me of Simikas Costa. I mean, just, just kind of like what you said before. He, I feel he's so similar, but he's got more speed. And I think... In the end, he's going to be better offensively. Not worried at all. Well, guys, if that's about it, uh, before we do wrap up, we want to have another bit of a brief discussion with Theo uh, about the website. We want to hear a little bit more, Theo, from you um, about you know why you've decided to do this. Of course, besides the fact that we asked you, um, and additionally, just like you know what you hope to accomplish and and what you see as a vision for the blog like a little bit uh, a little bit more than what we said at the beginning look i, I know you guys touched base a little bit on this uh, agona sport was uh, one of my favorite sites as well so i began writing there in 2018 during that the disastrous uh, 2017 2018 season that uh, that costa was referring to earlier so it wasn't always the easiest and funnest stuff to write about then but i always felt a connection with people and a lot of times you know we would uh, we would link up online uh, so really what we're trying to do here, and what, that's really your vision, guys, but us on, on the blogging side, we want to have different points of view uh, pretty much from everywhere in the world. So uh, there's guys, like you said, are writing from Greece, from France, from, uh, from North America here. And we want to be able to have a voice and, and to have a content for Olympiacos fans uh, everywhere. So uh, different languages, there's going to be, uh, some of you might have to use the Google Translate a bit more, uh, but it's, it's going to be fun. And overall, uh, I think it's something that, 
we want to reach out to people and to have that platform. And we're always looking for people. If ever there's somebody, not everyone's a professional writer, guys. So uh, you're going to see stuff written differently by everybody. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, ultimately a, a good thing for Olympiacos fans everywhere uh, and fans of the Ethniki that, uh, that we'll, have, uh, we'll touch base on as well. And I just want to say one thing. Theo did mention it and we mentioned it at the beginning. We are going to be pushing out content in English, Greek, and also French, courtesy of Martial. Um, for people who don't speak those languages, don't worry. Like The reason we're doing this in blog form is because it's much easier to translate things. Of course, you get the little Google Translate uh, attachment for your phone or, or your browser, and you can just translate the entire article. For podcasts, you know, we'll do an interview in Greek if, if it's the only way and we can throw subtitles on, but it is a little bit more difficult. We acknowledge that. But um, with this blog, like, hopefully this will draw in more fans of Olympiacos from across the world and, uh, you know, make us really international. And, uh, and we hope to sort of bring in more people with this multilingual approach. And one other thing, uh, we didn't mention it in the beginning, but uh, you guys will notice on the website there is a merch page. There's no merch yet. There's still some things that we're working out. Uh, the, we have most of the details around the merch itself. Uh, it's just some issues that we're trying to square away to anticipate the you know things going all over the globe. Uh, that, those kind of things, we're working those things out, trying to get all of that information. We've heard some of the, I should say, uh, requests. And I promise you guys, the first piece of merch will be Bruma's coming to. It's happening. That will be the first one. We promise. So as soon as merch goes live, Bruma's coming to. That will be the first piece of merch. Bruno's coming to. Bruma's coming to. I, I mean, that's right. Bruma. I did it too. Bruno, Bruno's coming to. Bruno's coming to. Okay, well, we could do Bruma's <laughs> Not Bruma. No, God, no. Not Bruno's Bruma. coming to. First piece of merch. It's happening. Uh, like I said, the, most of the details have been worked out with respect to the, the merch itself. It's just other things that we want to be prepared for so that people everywhere that are getting it – you know, don't feel stranded and we don't have too many issues at launch. And guys as well, um, one thing about the website, like if you're a fan of Olympiacos and you're incredibly passionate about the team, uh, you will notice somewhere on the site, there is like a contact us button. Um, if you would like to write with us, there is the opportunity for people to do that. Um, of course, you'll have to, you know, pass the good old rite of passage and send us a, a writing sample you know, but um, we're always looking for enthusiastic fans who can diversify our approach and contribute to the blog. Because, I mean, with this with this type of stuff, we just want to get out as much content as possible, at least one article per day. Uh, so, you know, if if you might find that interesting as well, we can do that. But I mean, more importantly, we just hope you enjoy the website. And uh, we're so excited to continue to bring content to you in all sorts of different avenues. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's basically all we have, folks. This has been a really long episode. So uh, if you're watching live, we really appreciate you for sticking around. Uh, if you're watching delayed on YouTube or, or listening on one of the podcast platforms, we want to thank you as well uh, for making it this far. And uh, I think that's about all we have, Theo. Uh, as you know, we've said already, we are so, so happy to welcome you to the Gate 7 International family. Uh, this is a really big step and we're so, so lucky and excited to have you along for it and help us out. Uh, any any final words before we close up? 
happy to be on board, guys, and I hope this thing really explodes. And uh, I mean, we're all looking forward to it, and it's going to be a real fun project. For sure, man. Well, with that, uh, thank you again for listening, everybody. Feel free to uh, chat to us on social media at Gate7INTL. Visit the website, Gate7INTL.com. It's all the same. It's all the same for people to remember easily. So hopefully uh, you enjoy. Let us know if you have any feedback on the site and uh, we'll be pushing out all sorts of blogs. You know, we've already got a couple up. By the time you're listening to this, there might even be a few more and we're just going to keep it rolling. Uh, So whether there's games, whether it's the summertime, we want to keep informing all of you about our favorite club. So thank you very much for listening. Have a good weekend and we will see you very soon. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Trilos, he said. Στο μυαλό κάτι μαγικό.